What's going on, everybody? It's Rockman 3K3, and you're listening to another great episode of The Nerd Play! Nerd Play! Ah! Now, uh, unfortunately, uh, we've had a lot of scheduling, uh, craziness. Both me and Leroy have been super busy with graduation season about, and Mr. Leroy is feeling a little under the weather. Shout out to him. Leroy, if you're listening to this, I hope you feel better, bro. Uh, you'll hear stuff from him Thursday, so we're kind of splitting it up and doing our own little solo mini-episodes. Sorry about this, guys. We've just had a lot going on in our lives, uh, but we will be back together again next week. Uh, so I'm sorry that we came back at half strength, but I promise you next week we'll be at full strength. But we have so much stuff, so much is happening in the industry not right now. I thought we at least need to address you guys and let you know, hey, we're out here. We see what's going on. Uh, but, yeah. So, uh, first off, you know, like I said, it's been a busy, 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 busy week uh, for me especially. And I know for Leroy as well. Um, uh, again, I am one half of the Nerd Plate. And, you know, I'm Rockman 3K3 for those for those first time listening. <laughs> For our returning listeners, welcome back. But yeah, it's been a rough uh, week for us, for me especially. Uh, graduation season. Shout out to my nephew. Well, yeah, I can say it. Brian Powell. Congratulations, sir. Ah, we out here. Mr. I got my diploma now. So he all big and bad. Congratulations to him for graduating. Uh, I love you if you're listening to this. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so glad this happened. And, uh, yeah, it, it's bigger and better from here, brother. Bigger and better from here. I uh, watched you grow from a young boy to a young man now. So, you know, just remember to be yourself and just look at the road ahead and everything will be great. Um, so I was attending his graduation. And other than that, I was watching pretty much what everybody else was watching unfold. And let's get into that now. So, <clears throat> big news on these appetizers. Microsoft and Sony have agreed to work with each other for AI and cell processing, like joint venture uh, kind of thing only. Now, let me just say, some of you, I, I'm, and this is big. Now, this is a big announcement. I'm not taking away from that. Now, at the same time, though, they're not going to come up in here and start like, oh my gosh, like, yay, we're doing games together. You're not going to see Halo on PlayStation. You're not going to see God of War on uh xbox that's not gonna happen what this is what is happening though is these two companies are coming together to work against what's happening with stadia and a lot of these other companies that are getting into this market that have a lot of power behind streaming and streaming ventures um this probably comes from or is a response to well one number one stadia because stadia has a lot to bring to the table in terms of this new play now anywhere kind of thing and they have the power to do it so of course when stadia came out and when the console saw saw this this brought up new fears because of course they're going to all digital but they're still going into like the old ways of digital where you still have to download their stuff and it's going to take you know at least like a few hours for you get a chance to play where stadia is just like hey once you get the game, you pretty much start playing immediately. There's no download and no kind of waiting aside from just, hey, it's all going from your internet. So, with that being said, Sony 
and Microsoft come together to say, I'm going to work, or we're going to work with Sony cell processors and then Microsoft's new Azure cloud-based campaign to where uh, they're going to use cloud serving and these new cell processors. So what does this mean exactly? Well, what, probably, what this probably means now is that they're probably going to go ahead and start working with each other more when it comes to uh, cross-platform gaming or online games. Now, this is a great thing. Now, this is where it is a huge step. Uh, because uh, most times, like me, for example, and my friends will tell you, like, when big titles like Borderlands comes out, I usually buy two copies of Borderlands because, you know, I want to play it on both systems with my friends because that's such a a widely enjoyed online game. Well, with this new venture that's coming out, what could possibly come, and again, this is still a, a could possibly come from it, is that now I won't need to buy two copies because now they'll be more polite about sharing servers with one another. Um, especially if they're going to use the Azure cloud-based, uh, which is really cool because if Sony kicks in with their cell processor, uh, chips that will allow the Microsoft Xbox system to go at a stronger processor rate um, in terms of being smoother, not really needing a lot of coolant. Uh, but at the same point, with that Microsoft Azure cloud sharing system, it'll allow to take it'll take basically some of that development uh, stress off the system, and it'll use some of the cloud sharing. Things like that. So it'll, it'll bring them very close to what Stadia is already going to be able to do day one when it becomes live. Um, huge things. Now, why is this such a huge thing in the industry? Well, this is huge because every time Microsoft and Nintendo wanted Sony to come in on the whole, hey, let's do cross-platforming, Sony never would because they're very protective. Now, in the beginning, all systems were protective. And anybody who knows me will tell you, you know, Rockman never believed that the the systems or the corporations would ever work together on anything about anything, which is true. I, I don't because I'm from the old school. The old school ways, they don't believe in working with each other about shit. I, I promise you. Like, there's a reason why they're so cutthroat with one another because they're so worried that one company is still this technology before they get it or copyright it or... or They'll make it proprietary, blah, 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 blah. And I mean, they have in the past. Uh, Nintendo with the four-player uh, controller setup system. Um, uh, Sega with the online and a few of its practices. Microsoft with the online and a few of its practices. So, that's why this is so big. And this also kind of brings into light just how big of a threat Stadia is to the console war. Uh, in terms of like the big three, uh, is that if it can pull off that kind of power at the beginning, then I mean th that's a big step. I mean, think about it. You're you're able to play a game anywhere at any time without installation and without loading, and all you're paying is like fifteen dollars a month on top of your, you know, uh, internet bill. So. It's one of those things to where it's just like, oh my gosh, like, this is huge. Because imagine coming home and being able to play Red Dead Redemption 2 without having to download it just right off the jump. You know, because a lot of us couldn't even play it the first night that we had it because it had such a long um, install. 
And I mean, I and I got a chance to play it the first night, but I still had to wait a while before playing it. Uh, same thing with Spider-Man uh, on PlayStation. Um, so this shows again that the threat of Stadia is so big, and then too, it also shows much to the surprise of everyone from the old school of gaming that you know when times call for it, companies will work together, which I find pretty hilarious. Uh, I find very funny that this corporation war between Microsoft and Sony is basically kind of put on hold. Like, okay, let's just work together because this threat is pretty big. Um, do I think it's gonna change anything? Um, no. And again, I don't. I don't think. And and I said that, and people are still just like, but this couldn't. No, I don't think they're ever gonna share games or say, okay, we're gonna. Now, you're absolutely gonna see Xbox Live. Because they've been pushing to do that anyway, because there's rumors that uh, Xbox Live is coming to Switch, and that they are actually helping Nintendo with some of their online setup. Um, that could very well be true. There have been a lot of proof that it is, evidence that it is, um, but that's been flying around a lot. I don't think that is going to happen anytime soon between the two. Now, the Xbox Live service, especially if they're doing Xbox Live and then you can play games, that's probably going to be on every system. So I see that. I don't think you'll see PSN on the Xbox Live setup. And again, I could be wrong because I didn't even see this day coming. As a gamer, as a, as a hardcore gamer, and as a person who's been playing games for that long, I never thought I would see the day where Microsoft Sony came together and said, okay, We'll play nice and let's try to do some stuff to try to defeat our common enemy now. Because you must believe, like, Stadia is on everyone's radar now. It's coming into the forefront and it's definitely just like, okay, cool, this is the new threat. But it's not the only one. Uh, with people like Netflix getting into the ring, uh, Apple getting into the ring, even though I, Apple, I'm kind of skeptical about them because. Uh, Apple, Apple's going Apple, so I think the only reason why people are worried, because they're worried that they're going to get that Apple following like they do everything else when they get Apple products, and that's different, that's, I, to me, they're a lot like Nintendo, to where, like, they have their own following, and that following is so grounded into that for cult reasons that you're not really going to see them, like, you're not going to, that's not going to be, like, a turning point for anyone else. Like, and I, and I say that as a Nintendo fan, because I love Nintendo, and Nintendo just has their diehard set fans to where, like, whatever they put out, they're going to go get. Even if people are just like, oh, there's no way this is going to sell, there's no way, it's, you know, people still go get it. Now, does that mean I'm going to go out and get Nintendo Labo? No, because it's just not for me. But I love and support Nintendo any way that I can. Uh, I just, not that way, but I'll buy some other stuff. Um... But again, going back to the fact that, like, you know, now we're seeing Netflix, we're seeing um, Apple, and you're seeing all these other people jump into this arena. It's only a matter of time before more people jump to the ring. Now, Netflix, as they stand now, <coughs> I don't really see them as a threat because Netflix is doing the choose your own adventure kind of thing. Which is not so hard. Anybody can do that right now. Um, but if they start putting out actual games that you can play with a gamepad and it's actually 
a full-on game, okay. Until then, I don't really see them as a real contender. Like, they have the potential, don't get me wrong, and I think they probably have the money because Netflix has been churning out so many hits lately. Um, I don't see them as a contender now, but they could be. But getting them getting into the ring can be an eventual threat. I don't think they're a threat right now because, again, uh, with, with stuff like Bandersnatch, uh, You versus Wild, and there's, like, two uh, all the Minecraft story game. And a few other, like, it's not big enough. Those those aren't really games as much as, like, old FMV, like, games from, like, Sega CD and stuff like that. Like, it's not really a game so much as choose your own adventure. So that could be, you know, like, they can make something later on that could be a full-on game. But right now, they're just doing those. I don't really see them as a contender. But they're saying they're starting to do some research into it. So I can see that. So now, <coughs> the the classic console, they have to now kind of think of, okay, what else new can we do? Because they have a lot of new contenders coming in um, who want a piece of the pie, who actually have a little bit of a power on the streaming side. They may not know anything about games, uh, but they have some strong leads on the streaming side. Now, Stadia, again, while it's the main threat right now, is because Stadia is actually coming out the gate with the respect to gaming. Um, they actually went and, and got some pretty reputable people behind them. They got Ubisoft support, which Ubisoft right now has been blowing up, and I'll talk about them uh, in a minute. But, you know, they got, like, a veter- veteran, an industry veteran, uh, Jade Raymond, who's behind a lot of great games at Ubisoft, um, and a lot of other, like, uh, corporations she used to work for before she really got a big footing at Ubisoft. Now she's over their gaming. So, I mean, they got someone that really understands the industry. Um, and then they have continual support from Ubisoft and a few other people that's definitely going to support the Stadia when it comes out. So, you know, that makes them a real threat. And, and I think this is... Microsoft and Sony working together is very monumentous because of this. Uh, and it, it is definitely in response to that. So it'll be interesting to see how the deal plays out and see if it helps. Uh, especially with PlayStation 5 on the horizon and the new Xbox coming out soon. Which we still don't know if Microsoft's going to take that jump or that leap into the the non-disc because they tried that with a i mean they they actually did that with the xbox one x slim i get i don't know but anyway it doesn't have a cd drive to it so they're actually trying that with that now um it, 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 only time will tell if it's gonna be completely discless in the future um uh, there's a lot of talks about it they're not sure uh, we know PlayStation 5 still won't. PlayStation 5 is still going to support uh, CD because they're already saying they're going to be backwards compatible with PlayStation 4 games and possibly be, uh, backwards compatible with all PlayStation games. So that's a pretty neat thing. I, I want to see that come into fruition. Um, especially the all PlayStation things, that would be dope for me. I, I still probably won't get one right off because I don't ever really get a system... Day one is up for Nintendo because I love Nintendo. They always make it worthwhile. You get it day one. Um, 
So I don't know. This is this has me excited because this is definitely something I didn't expect, and it's not a typical move in the industry. So this is great. This could be cause for evolution, and this could mean that they actually are thinking things out now. And they're actually trying to think of new ways and new ideas to take the gaming industry in another direction. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see what happens, what comes from this. Um, again, I don't think that'll mean like joint ventures on gaming or anything like that. I think the two are just working together to kind of stop Stadia by coming up with decent technology that both systems can share in order to kind of do the same thing that Stadia can do um, by joining servers and processing power. So I think that was a, a great idea on their part. Let's just see if it pans out for them. Let's see if they can execute it. Um, and yeah, no, I would be really surprised if it becomes something that, oh yeah, no, we can totally do, but nah. um, so there's that, uh, and then leading into Ubisoft, now I talked about that earlier, um, Ubisoft, I gotta say, they're making quite a bit of waves, uh, with their shoes as of late, now, we started to see a big revival from them, um, after the release of Rainbow Six Siege and Division. Now, granted, Rainbow Six Siege, uh, to me, I didn't, I'm not crazy about it, but it, it's doing okay. It's doing okay to well right now. Like, it, they're still making a lot of money with it, and people still talk about it. It's still really popular. Um, but I was really, uh, enamored. I was really taken away with Rainbow Six, uh, Patriots. Uh, which was, oh gosh, it was so good. Um, but it was going to, like, be based in domestic terrorism in America. And I guess because the tone was too real at the time or too close to what was actually happening, they decided not to do it. Um, but it's really tight. I even still have the Game Informer magazine that has, uh, Rainbow Six Patriots on it, which was, oh, God, it was tight, um, so I noticed after that, and they changed the siege, um, they started to have, like, an uphill, like, kind of growth in their shooters, and I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but, you know, uh, Rainbow Six Siege, like I said, I didn't care for it, some people that love it, uh, but Division, <coughs> excuse me, was pretty much the jumping point for them to where it was just like, okay, this is universally liked. Now, granted, um, the division still like it's it's debated whether it's a good or like a bestseller or not. Uh, but a lot of people love it. Some people still play it today. Um, it's great. Ghost Recon Wildlands is probably one of their best shooters of all time, um, just because it was so much fun. Uh, very realistic, the guns were nice, uh, but at the same time, just a lot of fun to play, and when I mean realistic, not like super realistic, but it's authentic enough and fun enough to where everybody can get in and play, and it was just so fun, um, it was the first time they went massive sandbox shooter with the Ghost Recon series, uh, before this one, it was, uh, Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter, which was great. Uh, I love that as well. But it was like scenario or episodic based. Um, 
and it used like cool different types of like sync shot technologies and things like that but you were still going mission to mission whereas in this one and Ghost Recon Wildlands, you were given the option to tackle any mission at any time, any way you wanted to, whether you wanted to bust in, guns a-blazing, or sneak around and take everyone out. Um, great game. I love it. I still play it to this day. Uh, I actually just played their new tie-in into Breakpoint, which was really awesome. So I enjoyed that with John Bruckenell. Uh He'll be a great addition to that game. Can't wait. I'll get back to Breakpoint in a minute. But let's go flash forward to Far Cry 5, uh, which they're also doing a great job with the Far Cry series. And you know what? I, I'm sorry. I left out that important component. Uh, actually, if you go back, Far Cry 3 is actually kind of the genesis of their new type of shooters. Uh, because it was open world, first person shooter, uh, and it was great. 3 was awesome. Uh, 4 was also pretty cool. Primals was good. Um, some people didn't like it. Some people wanted to be multiplayer, but it was a good open world shooter for what it was, or you know, good open world action adventure game. Uh, oh man, then you had like Blood Dragon. I forgot about the good expansion uh, from Far Cry Three. That was dope. That was very tight. And then you go into Far Cry Five, which was phenomenal. Again, hitting home with uh, the type of cult terrorism. And, you know, it's a, a cult that takes over all of Montana. It was just, it was great. A lot of the story was phenomenal. Um, you couldn't trade it for anything in the world. And then the expansions were really good to it. And then another one, Far Cry New Dawn, speaking of expansions, was a standalone expansion that's related to Far Cry 5. Um, I can't, I won't tell you how, but it's also phenomenal. It was a great way they did that and then uh flash forward to now division two which is also phenomenal very tight game so it's very amazing and outstanding that ubisoft is getting shooters right and i mean they're killing it left and right granted you know the even the assassin's creed like it's like they all of a sudden just kind of found their sweet spot in development and said okay this is where we're gonna be because assassin's creed i don't know if you guys felt that way i know i did after the Assassin's Creed 2 saga, like, it just felt like Assassin's Creed was going downhill, but they quickly picked it back up with the, I would say, Assassin's Creed Origins, um, where they kind of leaned into it a little bit more, um, you know, worked on it being more of an RP or having more RPG elements to it, which I thought was really cool. And then, you know, of course, you had Odyssey as well, which was great, and it was pretty much a, a, just a breakout sequel from uh, Origins, which, you know, it's, the storylines, whatever, but the time periods between the two are really cool, and I like how they do that, um, but their shooters are really, really good, and again, I can't stress about how they just found a good sweet spot, because, again, Division 2, um, much, much better game than Anthem, which, fuck you, Anthem, if you guys listen to EA, what the hell? Anthem was supposed to just save games. It was supposed to be great. And we fell for that hype. Much like the hype of Game of Thrones. But we fell for that hype. But Division 2 didn't let us down. Uh, phenomenal game. I'm going through doing everything right now. Uh, I'm I, Literally all I have is like two story missions left. And I'll be at the end. But I want to try to clear out all the checkpoints. Before I get to the end game. And do all kinds of crazy stuff. 
Um, but it's so much fun, and they figured out a good formula for what they call, quote-unquote, the looter-shooter uh, mechanics to where they give you all kinds of great guns, ammo, weapons, and then the stats actually make sense. Like, in the first division, it wasn't so stats-heavy. As long as you had good equipment and armor, you're okay, but in this one, like, you really have to pay attention to the stats, because now they make you pay attention to it in terms of, like, sometimes you're gonna pick and choose between armor, like, you know, whether, okay, do I want to be stronger, do I want to do more damage, or do I want to do more damage through my skills, you know, and it was just great. It's challenging at times, and I hate it, because sometimes I gotta play the whole, okay, do I want to be squishy, and, like, be a powerful skill person, or do I want to do damage, and be buff, but then my skills suck, and so, it's very hard to find a good even plane in that game in terms of stats, but I do like that because they make you pay attention to it more. I also like the fact, too, that you're not necessarily, like, paying to win. All you're paying for in that game, if you really want them that bad, is vanity. Like, just different skins and things like that. Which, I don't care about that. Like, I capture more, most of that shit for free, so, psh, whatever to that. Um... But I, I still love it because it's such a great game. And they perfected the whole your friends drop in, drop out formula in both games. Um, specifically, Ghost Recon and Division. Now, Ghost Recon is really cool because you play with a team of four people at all times. Like any Ghost game. Uh, with the exception of... No, pretty much all, all the Ghost games you've played with a team. Um, this one's really tight because when you're playing you know, online, but you're playing by yourself in the solo campaign. Well, if your buddies want to jump in, it's a seamless, like, okay, cool, we're going to put this character in instead of your, your people, and then you and your buddy are playing. And then when they drop out, then it goes back to, like, okay, you and the four, you are the three other people are playing. So it's really cool in terms of drop in, drop out, co-op, because it doesn't kill too much of the game experience at all. Um... It's just really tight. Division does the same thing to where, like... Alright, cool. The only thing about Division that's different in the second one is that then we scale up. Like, everybody scales up. You scale up to basically the highest person on your team. Um, I'm not sure if the XP is scaled up. I think it's exactly the same. So it makes the game... It could possibly make the game harder, but... With your friends being there, you boost it up to a level comparable to where they are. Whether it's, like, for example, if I'm 28, they will at least, in most uh, instances, put any of my other team members that are below me at least two levels behind. So if I'm 28, they'll at least go 26 or 27 for everyone else, which I think is really cool. Uh, I mean, it's it's something great that uh, that they should do um, because it's just it's it's very neat, very tight. Um, so yeah, I, I just want to say shout out to Ubisoft because their shooters are just so good. Like, I mean, Division has a formula to where you just get lost in the missions. Like, they're just so good. I mean, yeah, you're doing the same thing over and over again, but it feels so good. Uh, the enemies are better this time around. And like, even your AI or like your, uh... Your NPCs that are walking around are a lot better. They're carrying guns, but they can actually fight back now. 
And it's not like the world. It's different. It, like it is definitely a different game from the first division. Because in the first division, people are, are scared. They don't know what's going on. Oh my gosh, help us! But in the second division, people know exactly what's going on. Because I mean, of course, it spreads to the world down. Everybody's like, okay, we're used to this. This is how the world is now. Let's do it. And so now you see people surviving, doing whatever they can survive, helping you. Now they're more understanding of the division agents. And you even find, like, when you're paying attention to the story uh, with the uh, the echoes and everything, if you listen and watch those, you see that, like, a lot of people lament the, def- the like the actual decision they join the division or, you know, the events of the first division. Because, you know, they're like, we answered the call, but we left our family. A lot of our family died. A lot of people we love died. But, we you know, we answered the call. And, you know, if I had to do it again... I was still answering the call because it was better than not answering the call. So I, I really like seeing that human side of everything going on. They're not just like a bunch of like just factory ordered soldiers. And then when you see and hear about what's going on with the true sons and the Hydra and uh, the hyenas or, or not, I'm sorry, not hydras, the hyenas and the, uh, God, what is the other ones? Oh, oh, the outcast. Like, it's cool to see what's happening and what forced these people to come do whatever. Um, even when you do some of the Dark Zone missions, when you're trying to open up different entrances to the Dark Zone, you find out, you know, how people acted in quarantine and, you know, what they did against each other. Like, it, it's just crazy stuff. Um, so I'm in love with it. You know, shout out to Ubisoft for making such great shooters. I can't wait for Breakpoint. Now, if you have not heard about Breakpoint, go look at that trailer now. And if you have Ghost Recon Wildlands, go play the mission called um, the Oracle mission. Uh, you will see. It's, it's just really tight because you'll see what actually is about to happen in Breakpoint. And you see why John Brethnell is pretty much a villain in that new uh, breakpoint. It's really cool. kind of shows you what leads up to it. Very awesome stuff. Um, I can't wait for that one. Only guys be worried about that game is that uh, after you know seeing seeing it in action, I love it. But hearing some of the new features, like the more more realism is in, like you'll slip down if you're not too careful, or you can fall down a hill and take damage. Um. I'm okay with that. Okay, let me make a blanket statement right here, right now. I am. I don't have a problem with realism in video games. I'm okay with that as long as it does not hinder the gameplay itself. When the realism start to hinder the gameplay itself, then it becomes a problem. You're just like, ah, what the hell? Um. So, as long as they can make that realism happen. And still make the game fun, I'm down with it. But once it, it becomes unfun, or, you know, that realism gets in the way, like, I'm not with that. But, I think based on what I've seen, I think it'll be pretty cool. The class is going to be an interesting spin on it. So now, you know, it kind of forces everyone to be different. Which I like that, that's cool. Because you may run with some people to where, like, okay, this person is should be this, this person should be that. Blah, 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 blah. So I like that because that puts more of a role emphasis and everybody's just not going out there just shooting and doing whatever. Um, 
as soon as that, I'm, I can't wait to play it. I hope I get in the beta. I gotta go look for that registration now, ASAP, because I want to get into that. And uh, I know I'm gonna love that. That's gonna be tight. So I can't wait for that to come out this year. Uh, I think they said in October. Um, but yeah, it's it's gonna be great. Um, and then, uh, going into the next thing, speaking of things coming out, Rage 2 came out. Now, I gotta say I wasn't a big fan of the first Rage because, well, the first Rage kind of sucked. And not even that it sucked, it just didn't do a lot of anything else. Uh, for those of you who hadn't played the Rage 1, Rage was essentially a more grown-up Borderlands. And when they advertised the game at first, that's what they advertised the game to be. Oh, it's like Borderlands more grown-up. It's like Borderlands better graphics. It's got that Mad Max look for Borderlands, but it's better. Blah, 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 blah. But then when people got it, it was like a 30-gig install, only to be a few hours long. Um, nothing like Borderlands. And yeah, you had a buggy and a boomerang, but you didn't really use them enough in the game to enjoy them. So, fast forward to now, Rage 2. They made a sequel to it, which I still to this day don't know how or why it got a sequel. But it did, got a sequel. Um, based on what I'm hearing, what a lot of people are saying, it's a lot better. It's improved. Um, and it is way better than the original. Um, I still have yet to get a chance to sit down and play it. But one of the buddies who played it said he liked it. It was a big improvement. Another buddy of mine said they also really enjoyed it. Um, it was action-packed. And, you know, they liked it. They didn't read too much into it, and they liked it. Um, so if you like really great first-person shooters, like if you're a fan of the Doom shooter, that's pretty much what this is. It's just like, hey, it's still, it's massive. And that's my, my beef with the Rage series is that there's this massive world, you got Doom Buggy, yet it's only a one-player game. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I get it, you know, they're going for that Mad Max look, and I understand that. But I just felt like that should have been a game to where you can choose to either, you know, go around shooting, playing it by yourself, or, um, you know, hanging out with friends. Because, I mean, that's the cool thing about Division 2. Division 2... I've played the majority of this game by myself, and I'm in love with it. Um, and I was able to do that to play it by myself. Um, but I had that option to play with friends if I wanted to. And I have. I've been playing with friends a few times. Um, Rage, Rage 2 uh, is kind of like that to where it's this huge open world. and But the only thing is, it's only one player. You know, there's no multiplayer to it. Which I really think they made a huge mistake on, that would have been cool if it was multiplayer, but, um, uh, from what I've heard, generic story, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff, so, um, not really a review, just saying it's out, it's kind of a first look, um, when I actually play it, maybe I'll review it then, um, but I wasn't too keen on Rage 1, so I'm not really sure when I'd ever play Rage 2, but, you know, it is out, if you want to try something new, go for it, that's out. Um, also, Nintendo is doing a lot of cool things. Tetris 99 just got offline mode. Uh, if you pay 999, um, you get a Tetris classic mode, and I think you get a chance to play against the CPU or something like that. Also, so here's another thing that's a little weird, and Nintendo's 
kind of trying to, if I could take this from government name, shout out to government name, uh, Wiggly Rop, uh, everybody, uh, or their fans, um, Nintendo has this program to where for the Nintendo Switch, okay, so you gotta have the Nintendo online, but you can buy, uh, they call it, what do they call it? They, they call it game vouchers. That's what they call it. They call it game vouchers. You can buy game vouchers, and you can get two games for free when you buy game vouchers. Guess how much the game vouchers are, though? Yeah, it's it's $99.99. Um, this is dumb to me because that basically means, I w- like, that's like telling me, oh, you can buy two games at random, and you'll pay for about the amount of two games, but you'll only save, like, 20 bucks. Um, listen, and anybody will tell you, Rockman 3K3 is a huge fan of Nintendo. I'm not a fan of this, and this is kind of stupid. Um, I think it just would have benefited them better or behooved them to just be like, hey, uh, if you pay this amount of money, you get like 30% off everything, or just give Nintendo Switch online people 30% off or 20% off. That would have made more sense than saying, hey, here's a game voucher for, you know, 99 and then, like, it's only for eligible games, like, they want to make sure that you take advantage of buying or getting two fifty nine ninety nine games because they know people feel slighted if it's like oh fifty nine ninety nine and then a game for nineteen ninety nine on there right it would be worth that so yeah I, I hopefully this is kind of a oh let's try it out see if it works kind of thing but I'm not too keen on this one Nintendo again I love you guys and I support you. But, uh, the game voucher system is kind of dumb. Uh, so yeah, there's that. Also, <sighs> Fall Fantasy, or Square Enix tease another Fall Fantasy 7 trailer. Uh, I'm still on the fence about it, and I'm still probably not gonna get it, just because they're ta- they're still talking about episodic content, which is gonna be expensive as hell. Anytime a game says episodic content... It's going to be expensive. And I played the old Fall Fantasy 7. So it was already three discs long. And the dude was saying, I remember they did an interview way back when, like, well, yeah, you know, since it's like three discs long, you know, that it should technically should have been $49.99 discs, which that's bullshit. I want to go ahead and put this on air right now. Fall Fantasy 7 is a long game. And not because, oh, it's three disc game. It's a three disc game. It's, it's three discs long. No, it's not that. It's just the majority of that fucking game is on disc one. It's just cutscenes and all. So, cutscenes, if you hadn't. I'm showing my age. If you weren't an old time player like me from back in the day, you wouldn't know this. But a long time ago, the gaming industry had a problem. With, oh, they're starting to do a lot of cutscenes, but cutscenes will always eat up the majority of the data on disc. CDs, if you look at them, do not have a lot of storage on them. They only have so many megabytes before the, okay, that's it, tap. That's why a lot of the games switched over to Blu-ray now, because Blu-ray can hold gigabytes and gigabytes of data storage, whereas CDs can only hold, like, CDs. Or, I'm sorry, CDs can only hold, like, megabytes worth of uh, data. It's weird. So, what happened was, that's why Final Fantasy VII was on three discs. That's why Final Fantasy VIII and Final Fantasy IX were four discs. That's because the cutscenes ate up most of the data, 
and then you have the rest of the game, and that's why they said, hey, you're done with this one, put in this two. Hey, you're done, which, by the way, uh, I take it back, this one is long, but this two is the majority of the game, because this one is basically over after Shinra, after the whole deal with Shinra, uh, after the motorcycle chase, until you put in this uh, take out this one and put in this two, I believe. Um, I think. It's been a while since I played it. But anyway, like I said, the game is not that long to where it's like, oh my god, we should charge $49.99 a disc. No. Uh, even charging $49.99 an episode would be ridiculous for them. $9.99 or maybe $14.99 an episode, I can get behind that. That's fair. But then it's like, how many episodes is it going to be? Because if you're talking about seven, I'm not paying close to 100 to $200 for Final Fantasy VII. Not unless. Now, here's... One, I'm not going to do it because it's already done RPG. But unless they're going to put in all the tie-ins, including the Final Fantasy VII stuff from the cell phone games, the complete tie-in of what happened to Zack uh, and Cloud... Or just basically Crisis Core to Final Fantasy VII. That is the only way I would pay that kind of money. Otherwise, there's a milk in it. Um, and I know they got to because they've been promising this for so long that you know, like people didn't think it was ever gonna come out. Now it finally is. Um, well, I say that, but they still had to set a release date. Anyway, um. They they just have a lot uh, a lot to show for that because Kingdom Hearts three is turning it's really panning out to not be worth that ten to almost eleven year wait so hopefully they nailed it with this one which they might have because now a lot of people don't care about turn based anymore and then you know the gaming industry is all about instant gratification and action and that's. All this one looks like after watching it, it basically, and I can't get too mad because the the turn based system is from Final Fantasy fifteen. Like they basically use the fifteen system. I just it's gonna be hard for them to use certain materia if that's the system they're going on. And then, like I said, the episodic thing I'm not cool with. I would rather them just redo it as a fifty nine ninety nine game. And then yeah, if they want to make some bonus content, okay. Like, the season pass shit would be fun if they did, like, thirty nine ninety nine, and, you know, they released the Crisis Core incident, uh, the Before 7 incidents, and After 7, things like that. Just, just as long as they pack in everything, including Advent Children. They should definitely do Advent Children and, uh, Dirge of Cerberus, because that would be awesome. So, there's the, um, so, let's see, is there anything else that happened? This week in gaming, that was crazy. Um, not really. I think I think that's a that's really about it. Um, I just think overall, man, like I like where gaming is going. Uh, I just hope we keep keep the ideas fresh because that's been a big problem. Everything's been a sequel or a prequel, um, and not a lot of new ideas, but. With Microsoft's only working together, that seems great. Nintendo's got some fresh ideas on the horizon, uh, especially this summer. They got a lot of cool ideas and sequels coming out, so that'd be cool. Um, 
And then, you know, people doing Kickstarter, like Bloodstain is about to come out. Uh, finally, I think next month. That's going to be cool. Uh, so, you know, you just, I mean, we'll see. You know, I'm, as an old schooler, I'm happy to see that at least Evolution is still taking place in gaming. And there's still some new creative ideas happening. So that's awesome. And I just want to see more of it, you know? Um, I also want to say, too, before I go, uh, shout out again to Mr. Smith. We have not forgot about you, sir. It's just, as you can see, this is the second week that me and Leroy Ketchum have not been able to sync up together. Uh, and I don't want to talk about your letter on the show yet until I'm with him. Because, you know, that, that that way you get the full support of the full Nerdplate team. Uh, and also, we definitely got to have you on. For those of you who don't know, Mr. Smith is a huge fan of the show. And he's always been supportive right now. And we really appreciate it, buddy. We want you to think we're ignoring you. We're not. Uh, I just I need to get with Leroy. And uh, we'll also set a good time to win. We can phone in and call you. Um, and have, like, a long, nice episode together. Uh, or you just hang out with the show with us. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, so that's coming soon, buddy, I promise. Um, but as far as that's concerned, everyone else, guys, uh, I think that's the episode for me. I've talked about a lot, talked about Stadia, talked about Microsoft and Sony. Uh, yeah, you know, even the Cursed Fall Fantasy VII remake. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, what do you guys think? How do you guys think, do you guys think this is the, the Microsoft and Sony thing is going to produce crazy results, cool results? Uh, do you guys think the FF7 remake is actually going to be worth a damn? Are you going to get it? You let us know. Hit us up, you know, at thenerdplaypodcast.com, or I'm sorry, thenerdplaypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, hit us up there. You can send us uh, listener emails. Uh, as well as you can ask any questions you like on the show, or if you would just like to be on the show, just let us know. Alright guys, we're all Rockman 3K3, and I'm tired of talking. <laughs> I'm tired of hearing myself talk. And I'm one half of the Nerd Play, guys. And I'm out. I will see you later. Thank you so much for listening. And again, keep hanging with us. I know our schedules are crazy, but we apologize. I promise, though, we're going to put out more content for you. So, I love you guys. I'll see you later. Peace out.